After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? Pas te dire ce que tu peux faire pour moi. Tu vas voir, c'est pas compliqué. Tu me parles pas. Tu me poses pas de questions. If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your co-host, Becky Shrimpton, and with me... Once again, is Mr. Cameron Maitland. Hey, Cam. Hey, Becky. Hey. Happy, did, I don't know, New Year. <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you like my uh, my my sexy voice? I think if you're trying to be Paz Delorte, you're missing to it. Get a little yeah, bit I, I don't think I can slight. do a Paz Delorte. I don't think I can either. I think she's just such a unique little butterfly. Yes. That she's inimitable, and I think that's why people don't yeah. do it because she's just so special. Yeah, I mean, the person they hired to sound like her sounds nothing like her. Nothing so. like her. What? Oh, that wasn't man. her voice narrating. I didn't oh, know. Towards the end, it switches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first, which actually I would like to do a dramatic reading of the opening monologue, but uh, we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, uh, first we should introduce our guest. Please do, my we're, God. We're, we couldn't even go half a second without getting into this movie. Uh, but our guest today is uh, my pal, who is an artist, who is also a film technician, and her name is Stephanie Avery. Yay! Well, hello. Yay! Hello, I'm happy to be here. Welcome. We are so glad, glad to, to have, have you. you. Um, and you're so busy on films that it took us a while to get you to it's wrangle. It's true. I yeah. know. We have been talking about this for a while. But I, it was like a good amount. You were, uh, yeah. You, you never dropped out. We just no. always, uh, yeah. Just t- tough to pin you down because you're so busy. I know sometimes people think I'm a flake, but I'm not. Like, I will <laughs> never forget when I've made a commitment to something. It just might take a while. Yeah, yeah. But this is something, too. Like, I, I had a friend who I did some work for her, and uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to take you to a really fancy dinner in exchange for this. And I was like, great. That sounds like a good exchange for the work I have done. Uh, it is four months later, and she keeps getting audition after audition or mm. booking after okay. booking. And it's one of those things where when you do what we do, you just have yeah. to be like, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Eventually, mm-hmm. we'll get around to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps we'll have to go on vacation to make that work, yeah. but we're going to find out. And then when you become the kind of person that can do that, then you appear five years later and you're like, I owe you a dinner. And the other person's like, what are you talking about, you psycho? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't remember this dinner at all. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, that's going to be me soon. There's yeah. a friend who I owe art because she cut my hair years ago, like a bunch of times, and it was going to be in exchange for art. She was dating a friend of mine. They broke up. I didn't see her as much as I used to. But like one of these days, I'm showing up at her door. With art. With some art. (laughs) (laughs) And the deals and the exchanges are exactly what this movie is all about. Uh, (laughs) We're going to get into that. Uh, But uh, Stephanie, let's just talk for a second about the kind of movies you are working on and the kind of things you're working on, including this movie. What? What's up? Well, (laughs) uh, so in the film world, I do a bit of art direction. I dabble with that, but mostly film is my day job to subsidize my artwork. And I am a set decorator and occasionally a props handler. I mostly do TV shows, but every now and then I do get a day here or there on a feature film, which was in fact the case of this very movie, which is... Nurse 3D. Yes! Yes. Oh, man. The fact that we got to this movie before we got to any Adam McGoyan is still mine. Our continued apologies to Adam McGoyan. But uh, you know what? I am so delighted I have seen this film and that I now know the storied, troubled history behind it (laughs) and the two years subsequent after it. It is... A resident film is what yes. I will call it, but not a resident evil film. No. Ooh, 
But it should be almost a Resident Evil. Almost in a way. It's the yeah. second AD of many of the Resident oh. Evil films directed it, which is why it hey. has so many things. That's true. I That's why. Did yeah. look him up on IMDb. There's Beautiful. there's a bunch. The going writer on. of some of those middle puppet master movies. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. All right. So of all the movies you could have picked, Steph. Why this one? (laughs) Well, so in general, I love a movie that's so bad it's good. You know, where there are just so many missteps along the way that the final product is nothing like what they set out to do, but has this element of glory to it that you you can't do it on purpose, though many have tried. And with Nurse 3D, they were not trying to make a bad movie. <laughs> no, they weren't. It's it's an homageful delight that you can tell so much love and so much money went into. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That it's just hedge-scratchingly fascinating. Yeah. Now, Cam, you saw this movie in the theaters. I saw the singular day theatrical release in Canada, I want to say, maybe. Because it was like a day and date uh, release yeah. where they released it. This is it on... the first time any major studio had ever yeah. done that. Yeah, so they released it VOD <laughs> and quote unquote in theaters. But I do know at the very least, I believe in Canada, if not North America, we're the, we were the only, which is amazing for a movie titled Nurse 3D, the only theatrical 3D showing. Mm-hmm. Um, which was crazy. And it was just at the Royal here in town. You guys have heard from various Royal staff. It's a... a small like rep theater but it's pretty big i mean and it was sold out i believe uh it was a big crowd that was real real like it was everybody who had seen the nurse 3d trailer and was like yes yes i will pay Mm -hmm. i don't know 20 dollars to go to nurse 3d (laughs) in 3d and i don't think they had advertised that like this is your only chance to see it in 3d i think we were all like yeah we just want to see this movie oh lucky i'm definitely jealous i've now watched it twice in 2d and you see the moments where the 3D, yes. <laughs> like they, ha- they walk down all these beautiful spiral stairs. Yeah. There's all these really lovely elements where it'd be like, yes, it would be amazing to see it on big screen. Yeah. That well, opening scene, which we're going to get to, which is <laughs> mag-fucking-nificent. Uh, yeah. And you go into, I mean, spoiler alert, guys, we're going to go into whatever there is to be spoiled here, as well as I'm going to be saying the word fuck a lot yeah. because there really Listen, is no other the word the nurse says it. Um, but, oh my God, like that opening scene is Stunning and mm-hmm. so much care, so much attention. There's a helicopter into it and it flips in. There's a series of mirrors. It took them like three right. days to figure out how to do that shot. It's incredible and would have looked even better in 3D. And it's one of the few films of this era. This is 2011, yeah. I believe, mm-hmm. um, where they were just 3Ding movies for the sake of the gimmick. And this yeah. one was built specifically for 3D and it makes all the difference in the world. This reminds me of what I believe is not a Canadian film, but My Bloody Valentine 3D. Yes. Which was also like, it was right kind of when they brought back 3D and mm-hmm. it was 100% like... Every conversation was through a fence. And, and like, there's a part I remember where, like, Jensen Ackles picked up a photo and it was like, whoa, like, just picking up a photo in a dramatic moment. And that's what this one is like. And watching it again, I was like, yeah, like, whenever possible, there's something in the foreground or something between people. Mm-hmm. So even the, the subtle stuff, they're just obsessed with it. Yeah, a lot of, like, needles coming yes, towards something yes. and then moving back. 
Yeah, the old, uh, what's the Friday the 13th 3D where he's like, take a hit of this joint and like passes it to the viewer. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, even the violence, which there's less violence in here than I thought there would be for a film about a killer. There's way more nudity than there is violence. But okay, let's go back. And yet there is an extreme large amount of like batshit violence right at the end. Oh, it's bizarre. Okay, Steph, (laughs) what is this movie about? (laughs) Oh my God. So it sort of starts off as like a feminist revenge sexploitation, but then loses the feminist and the revenge (laughs) bit along the way. And it's basically about a nurse who lives a double life. She's, you know, this like Madonna type character in the hospital where she cares for parents and heals people and I guess works in the emergency ward. And then the flip side, you've got the horror character where she has this idea where she's going to get revenge on men who cheat by murdering them in all sorts of elaborate and vaguely medical ways. Uh, But along the path of this film, she has an obsession for a colleague at the hospital, I guess who she mentors and really invades her life and just fucks with it. And all the things that she's trying to punish men for, she basically puts this poor girl into those positions and then holds it against her. It's weird. It's fatal Mm. attraction meets single white female meets basic instinct, but everybody's naked or in nurse uniforms. I wouldn't say always naked. Sometimes wearing a bra. Yeah. Yes. More often than not, they're wearing bra. Bra, no panties. (laughs) Which is very weird. Oh, man. This movie is so freaking weird. So the director of this film uh, is Douglas. I I don't want to mispronounce his last name, but I'm sure I will. Ernioski? Ernioski, I think it is. Ernioski. I'm not sure. I glossed over it. Ernie Oski. Yeah. He is a uh, protege of Robert Rodriguez, so uh, which oh. is why you get a lot of those little visual flares. Um, he worked on a lot of his films, including Once, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. He learned to edit from him, hmm. um, which is weird to me that the action is so slow because he also second ads a lot of action films, and this is a very slow action movie, especially that back mm-hmm. end. But um, if you like that Robert Rodriguez like serious like bright colors and visual stylings yeah. and and very crazy visual yeah, or the rodriguez 3d like spy kids 3d yeah. he is, worked on spy kids like, <laughs> i love spy kids 3d as a 3d movie which it's, i haven't seen sure. since the theater but i'm sure it is still great it's i a, think I, yeah i think yeah. i've heard that the 3d is very interesting and good it's a great role for alan cummings uh so sure. you worked on this a little bit steph what mm. was your involvement um i I can't remember. (laughs) It was so long ago. This was in 2011, and I was racking my brain trying to remember if I was doing set decoration or props. And I think it was props because the the man I was working with, I've worked with him um, doing props on the television show Rain Mm. and a few other projects. Um, Wonderful, wonderful man. He's actually not credited, so I think whoever was initially doing, I think, props must have just left or was sick or or something. Because I was just on for a few days at the very end of the movie, for basically for the climax, I'm pleased to say. (laughs) How tired did people look at that point? It it was a weird (laughs) environment to be in because usually... So I've worked on a lot of awful, awful productions because most productions are just bad. 
I thought you were going to say most productions in Canada. (laughs) In general. Well, because I I work on a lot of American productions, so, you know, I'm I'm fancy like that. Yeah, true, true. So fancy. Um, But I think, like, for the most part, what I'm working on is kind of basic entertainment fodder. A few things I've worked on, I've had, like, a lot of really amazing opportunities to work on beautiful, beautiful productions. Mm. And you know what? This was a beautiful production. Um... But usually when you're working on something that's bad, nobody really acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone is just sort of like pretending that everything is great and it's going to be amazing and all the pieces are coming together. That was not the feeling I got on this show. This show, I got the feeling that at this point, everybody kind of knew yeah. that they were not making this beautiful. I... Sorry, it was beautiful, but they're not not making what they set out to make, I guess. So, you know, we would shoot something and then sometimes there was like actual audible laughter. Interesting. You know, after like a particularly unfortunate performance, which is like I've never experienced that before ever. And, you know, it wasn't disrespectful, but it was... It was very unusual. It yeah. was so weird. It was so weird to come at the very end when everybody is just tired and wants it to be over and they're thinking about the next production, but also just enough enthusiasm to be like, yeah, we're still yeah. doing this. <laughs> Cast party coming I, yeah, soon. I would have to yeah. assume that climax was also a very elaborate undertaking. I, if, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, like any film production is broken into all sorts of yeah. smaller, more manageable pieces and then put together to form something really elaborate. Well, let's talk about how this film was conceived because it uh, <laughs> definitely did not Which start out crazy. being sadness. So, okay, here's how this started. Was uh, when Saw 7 was coming out, uh, they decided they were going to do a marketing stunt in LA where they sent out a number of sexily 1940s nurse-clad actresses uh, and promotions uh, uh, uh. girls and had them do blood drives around like Sunset Boulevard and things like that. And uh, one of the executives at Lionsgate saw this and was like, that's brilliant. We need to make a horror movie about a nurse. And then he sat back and put his feet on his desk and said, whenever you're ready, yeah. <laughs> whatever that looks like. Um, and apparently one of the executives does photography. Yeah, I looked up his photography. You can look it up. Uh, and and he has done a like basically what you see in the pretty cool opening sequence where it's kind of like fake pulp mm. nurse covers with like a bit of fetishy stuff. But I will give the guy a little more credit because his stuff is actually uh, more like it's fetishy photography, but it's also like more conceptual, I guess. Like his, I, I assume the ones that maybe pre-existed this. Includes a nurse with a dress made out of syringes, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And he also, the the kind of iconic image, uh, which is, because the posters are amazing for this mm. movie, too. When she's riding a big needle. Uh, but the one where she's covered in blood, I believe, it looks as if he'd done that as a photo before. Where it's like a nurse's uniform, but just made out of blood. Uh, so, yeah, he's a little hashtag twisted. Whoa. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. His photography is interesting, but you kind of get that, I think if I was basing it on his photography, I would have been a little more, like, almost like a Tim Burton thing, like a little bit weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely, he's he's playing with, like, a heightened, kind of campy 
uh, like 40s fetish stuff. So you get all that, which actually isn't a bad place to start from like a visual impression of like, okay, this is messed up and I want to make something that's weird and looks like this. And film's a visual medium, so hey, you can. The next step is they wrote the script uh, by David Lowry originally, uh, and then they hired Douglas... Ernie Akoski, again, I apologize. Um, and he did a page one rewrite and was like, yeah, no, 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 no. This is this is not going to work. And let me say, the, the photographer's name is Tim Palin. Thank it you. It escaped my mind. And if you go to Tim Palin, uh, not like Sarah, with an E, dot com, you have to turn your phone around. It's meant for landscape mode. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you can see some of his weird... I'll see if I can pull one up and show you guys while we talk. Yeah, there's like... One of the weird nurses. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of like vaguely scandalous celebrity yeah. portraits. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, I think honestly, I'm sure he shot the posters. Oh, yeah, and the, the cool posters for The Hunger Games is his photography. Nice. If you remember some of those weird conceptual ones. Yeah, so visually, yeah. they get what they're what they're going from, and they have a great mm. template. Um, the next step was casting, and uh, Ashley Bell and Dominic Monaghan were originally I attached saw to that. this. <laughs> um, and uh, they ran the opposite direction. Uh, and then Paz de la Huerta and Katrina Bowden were cast. And Katrina Bowden, people remember from American Pie and from Tuckerdale vs. Evil. Um, and she's a delight. Um, I'm actually a, a fan of hers. And, yeah, she's uh, quite good yeah. at comedic delivery. Yeah, yeah I didn't and, know she was in American Pie. I remember her from... Uh, yeah, from yeah, 30, 30 Rock. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. And then uh, Paz de la Huerta came on board. And that's when I think everybody, including Paz, had serious issues. Yeah. Um, at the time, Paz de la Huerta had some substance abuse issues um, that definitely comes through in her performance, uh, yeah. I believe. I could be wrong. I could be reading into this. Thoughts? I mean, having directly interacted with her during this shooting... She seemed very nice, but it also felt like you were communicating with somebody who wasn't fully there. Yeah. So I don't think you're reading too much into no. it. There's definitely a disconnection in the performance that's a bit otherworldly. Yes. Um, and she herself is a bit otherworldly. Yeah. And reading about her, I'm like, okay, she's an interesting, interesting yeah. human being. Um, but yeah, she came on board, and uh, apparently it was a big challenge between her and the director almost immediately. They butted heads basically Mm. constantly. She thought it should be one way. He thought it should be another. Um, And uh, people, of course, will know her from Boardwalk Empire and Enter the Void and all things she's very good in, but she is cast appropriately for. Um, Let's talk about this archetype of this Madonna whore character who, you know, lady in the streets and freak in the sheets, right? Um, (laughs) She is... (sighs) There has to be, for this character to work, an element of cunning and intelligence, and then the infantilization on the other side. And part of what makes this so fascinating is that she's trying to get the cunning fox element, but it never quite works. What do you guys think? I think that that's what makes me fascinated by the performance, though. The one time it works is when she's like, actually, when she has to be like a super hardcore real nurse. That kind of works. Like it, it, that's weirdly where it like all falls away. I think when she's not like playing a character quite as much. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I also think that the the that something she gets is that I think it's never supposed to be properly sexy. Like it's it, it's meant to be. Like it's weird how nude she is because it's like never real. Like I can't imagine anyone like jerking off to this movie. I mean, people probably. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what else are is disgusting. it good for? <laughs> but like it's weird in that aspect, and I think she kind of gets 
that. Mm-hmm. Like she's never really properly being sexy. If that but I don't sense. I don't know if that is on purpose. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, this is also we should talk about yeah, the, the substance abuse thing. I think this is right after she was fired from Boardwalk. She was kind of shadow fired from Boardwalk Empire. There was a big dust up where she got incredibly drunk at an awards show. Famously, you might remember the video where she stepped on her own dress and it fell off completely. It's very sad. I but uh missed that completely, yeah, but she, I'm kind of so glad. She was kind of her character was kind of written out but people say she was fired and also in retrospect we should say that it's kind of known that she was one of the people ruined by harvey weinstein so that all makes it kind of weird because it seems like maybe her substance abuse was somewhat related to that so it's like hard to totally dunk on Pez de la huerta and hopefully it seems like she's maybe gotten the hell she needs and she's maybe coming back around but yeah it's a crazy performance (laughs) push come to shove it's not Yeah, I was going to say, at the end of the day, regardless of how self-aware the performance is, like, it definitely accomplished something. Yes, (laughs) yeah, and and you can't, it might not have worked, right? Yeah, yeah, I think because there there were other missteps along the way that I don't think had anything to do with her performance. Um, For example, starting a film that's meant to be, theoretically, this feminist revenge film, but it's, like, written and produced and directed all by men, it's like... Maybe that was the first mistake trying to do that and then losing it almost immediately. Yeah. yeah. You do it does feel like even the caliber cuz like I guess we're saying that for a second it seemed like there was a higher caliber of mm. actor involved and then it got knocked down a notch. But I would still say that the caliber of actors even probably including Paz de la Huerta is still a caliber above the material. Mm. Oh, yeah, so definitely. I think at some point the director <laughs> or Lionsgate, was able to pitch this pretty well. At some point, somebody was able to make a cohesive vision that convinced everybody except maybe, like, Judd Nelson, who Uh, I think would have showed up to the grossest version of this movie. But, like, (laughs) Niecy Nash and Katrina Bowen are both seem big enough to Mm. not be involved. Well, was Niecy Nash bigger back then? I don't know. She was coming off Reno 9-11. Yeah, oh, yeah you're so right, I, th- you're I, right. I think she mm-hmm. wouldn't have to. No. Mm-hmm. You and know? Also, nobody in this is phoning it in. No. Everybody is yeah. giving 100%. And for whatever direct weirdness is, I think part of the issue is is that no one is sure what movie they're in. Yeah. Like, there's no <laughs> there's yeah. no actual tone. Yeah. Like, somebody that's weird is Corbin Blue, yes. <laughs> who's like, and who. This maybe ruined his career. I've never seen him since. Mm. Uh, but, like, he probably could have done something kind of fancy. So this seems like he saw it he as some sort of stepping stone. He did. He thought this was fancy. And as soon yeah. as he found out that there was uh, that he was going to be nude on screen, yeah. he was like, this is exactly what I need. This is my Miley Cyrus I don't moment. even remember him being nude. You see his butt. You see okay. his butt. So actually, or it being that sexy. It's here's that the thing. Sexy. He was supposed to be nude. There was wow. supposed to be a male nude scene. And that was nixed. Almost immediately. <laughs> oh, boo. I, 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 well, I was thinking like the very first five to ten minutes of the film, like yeah. you see Paz's ass through the dress and then you see his ass very briefly yeah. in the sex scene. And I was like, yeah, equal opportunity nudity. Yeah. Awesome. And then that's nope. quickly, quickly that, lost. That that's the end of that. quite often the issue I find with a lot of like feminist horror things is unless it's like a real indie like mm. end-to-end feminist thing yeah you need the like male nudity like the, i remember the what was the the girl with the 
teeth in her vagina. Like, that was pretty teeth. good. It was called teeth. But yeah, you should have teeth. seen it biting off a thousand. Like, there should have been yeah. a thousand dicks in that movie. Yeah. Like, it just should have been Walter. Like, and dick party. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It should have also subtitled dick party. Teeth Actually, two, that was party. slither. But here's the thing. Yeah. Whenever they do dicks, they have to do, like, a euphemism for, like, yes. tentacles. Or and I do think there or... is, like, a, uh, there's a massive problem that we can talk about where, like, in the American film industry, the MPAA is incredibly punitive about penises, mm. which is part of the problem. They think penises are much worse than, I suppose, like a mons pubis that you see when a woman is nude. Um, it's changing, yeah. though. I, I feel very pleased to say that I've been working on the show American Gods, and oh, you sure. see a lot of penises yes, in yep, American yep, Gods. Yep. Yep. You see a so. digital erection in the first season, I think, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you usually have to have a fake or prosthetic erection. So, yeah, because you cannot have an erection in an American film. Mm-hmm. So it's changing. Changes. Things are getting better. Things are getting better. Are they? Well, <laughs> you can all thank uh, my favorite person who is a weird activist of this is uh, apparently Ewan McGregor. Not oh. only, you know how he's nude all the time. All it's because he frequently requests and demands to be shown like a woman, he says. Because, partially because he feels like there's not enough male nudity. And yeah, it's Part a weird was, thing yeah. where he has said 100% he, is re- he has requested to write in nude scenes for himself. Part of me is like, good for you. And the other part of me is like, you just like being naked, dude, because yeah, yeah. you're so pretty. <laughs> so. He is very you, you and Kate Winslet like to hang out, don't you? Yeah. The two people who love being naked. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, all right, so back to <laughs> talking about all the naked now, people. Back about the third person who loves being naked, Pesla Larcha. No kidding. I mean, she kind of made her career on that as well. That's right. And she's got a great book. Like, yeah. I'll totally give her that. Very sure. attractive woman. Yeah. Um, a- anyone can who, who can be actively abusing substances and still look that good is doing something right. Well, and that level of comfort that she has yeah. in her physicality, like, a lot of people would do that and would just be, like, like you'd feel how uncomfortable they were. Like, she's naked yeah. 80% of this film. Yeah. Naked, and naked 100% naked frequently. <laughs> totally. Like, the scene where she's making coffee for Katrina Bowden after the morning where she abuses her, yeah. and um, she just, like you said, puts on a bra and no panties, and I'm like, <laughs> splash zone! Splash zone! Like, this is a yeah. terrible plan. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like that level of comfort mm. really is something special. Like, and you need that for this movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether it got neuter when they got her or if it was always this nude, but it's hard. Like, it is truly hard for me to imagine. I suppose another model maybe yeah. might be that comfortable, but it's hard to imagine another actor who would be willing, especially if the idea is like a campy. Like, I assume the best version of this idea is like a fun, slightly comedic camp thing but but you also have to be naked mm-hmm. like and I, I want to rewrite this movie with you Steph uh, because here's the thing I feel like and we did this with the surrogate as well sure. go back and listen to that <laughs> Natalie Norman and Danielle Ayao and I had a great time rewriting that movie um, but I think you're onto something where it loses the track when it stops being a feminist revenge anthem mm-hmm. and I think when you combine the like looking for the teenage boy dollar with the feminist anthem is when you really change lives so sure. <laughs> so for me I would have kept with the fatal attraction um, basic instinct premise and said forget the single white female I don't need that because as soon as they add the that point of contention that obsession mm. then you lose the entire point of her fascination with very much so and the obsession it, just, it seems to come out of nowhere there's no real motivation for it especially since it's so counter to basically like the movie's thesis statement yeah, which is like the greatest 
piece of anything using the word cock committed to film. And I'm right there. But uh, yeah, so I think if you made this just like a straight thing where then Katrina Bowden becomes her nemesis because she kills her stepfather, but uh, like still thought it was a bad thing to kill someone even though they're a terrible human being, then she becomes her nemesis. That would have been a more interesting end of the second act. And then you move into the like Mm -hmm. madness where she totally loses her shit. At no point do you realize if you're supposed to be cheering for her or if you're supposed to be... Well, I think there's a very abrupt switch that doesn't make much sense where you go from being she is the main character to Katrina Bowden being the main character. Yeah, I noticed that very much where it's just like suddenly it just shifts completely. Maybe that wasn't something that was so much in like the film's hands. Maybe they were dealing with external circumstances and they made the best with what they had. Yeah. Because it is so abrupt. Yeah. Because yeah. I, th- I think in my also version of this, uh, Katrina Bowden sucks almost. Like not, not her acting or anything, but like her character. You kind of, you like the evil nurse. Yeah. And you're and meant you're to right like, off the bat. This bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't want them to fall in love, but I would be fine if at the end Katrina Bowden got murdered. But mm-hmm. like if the nurse tricked her and murdered her. Yeah. Well, I think it's I'm weird because when she sort of becomes the main character of this movie, you still feel very wishy-washy about her because yes. she doesn't. She's pathetic. She's quite pathetic. Like she doesn't <laughs> own up. Like she doesn't yeah. get bigger she and stronger. But she also the first time she sees a body bring being brought yeah, into the yeah. hospital. She also sucks as a nurse. But she got straight A's yeah. <laughs> in nursing school. Uh. You have to look at dead bodies in nursing school, don't you? That's I like, don't know. I don't know. I've never been to nursing no. school. I've only been to fake nursing <laughs> school. <laughs> You've been to a kind of nursing school, nurse 3D school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've worked in a lot of fake hospitals. School of hard knocks. School of Hard Nurses. You're done. So, <laughs> no. Except my pitch lines again. So, the other part of this is that the um, School of Hard Nurses, you're keeping that yeah. as a tag. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Uh, we're friends for a reason. <laughs> so, um, so, part of this, too, is that Pastel Huerta was injured partway through this. Oh, yeah, and I read that. she was hit by an ambulance in a stunt scene. The, there was a stunt driver driving the thing behind her, and it, and it clipped her, and apparently she had fractured her tailbone. Um, which and, is brutal. Which That's is a real brutal. brutal. She injury. had to have multiple surgeries apparently afterwards, and there was rehabilitation, etc. So she did sue uh, Lionsgate Films for fifty-five million dollars because she claimed this film ruined her career, um, and that she was uh, she was coerced into not. Um, putting in a workers' compensation thing by production. Again, this is all hearsay. Her cl- her case was dismissed, so she so she didn't uh, she didn't get any of the money, and, and nothing went through. Um, but she was also at that point replaced with. We talked earlier about the dialogue and about her her being ADR'd for a lot of it. Um, and she claims that was partially to make her look bad. That they deliberately cast an actress who was worse than she was to cover up for her. And oh, that's I have to ask how angry do you think someone would have to be to entirely tank a 55 million or sorry 10 million dollar uh studio film just to get back at one actress who was trying to stand up for herself i mean you you see that quite a bit actually <laughs> yeah it's also like this is this is 100 the industry where they do that yes. the industry yeah. is built on that think of like uh, the guys from the like studio era that's all they did was destroy actresses they did that for fun um yeah i don't know it's very odd i mean yeah it's it's tough to know because it's like it really like i say it doesn't feel like her fault like i don't know i can't think of who would have pulled it like maybe like a gina gershon Mm -hmm. could have pulled off 
maybe what I think they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, like Gina Gershaw, Circus, um... Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, the, the stripper one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Showgirls. Thank you, I keep yeah. wanting to say stripper Oh, she's still good, too. She, she did yeah. a great one with Show Nicolas Girls. Cage recently, where oh, she, yeah. Gina Gershaw still got it. But, um, but the problem is there's plenty of bad movie around that. Like, if we talk about the Katrina Bowden, Corbin Blue plot, like, that's a never good no 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 his his apartment is terrible like no wonder she doesn't want to move in it's like a just like a brick box with a bed and a set of weights in it like way to make it homey she does want to move in though and i think this is like the hallmark of dudes who don't understand how women talk where they're always they always make the women say you're not listening to me or do you ever listen to me or something and i'm like oh this is something you hear a lot isn't it this is why you think women talk like this that's amazing um so we've talked about all the things that are utter train wrecks about this there. what works uh, <laughs> I, uh, no. I think a lot of the visuals do work it is a very visually cool movie and when you see that this guy went on to direct a lot of very visually cool tv i get it um you know he does the new star trek and stuff like like this is a guy who can do a visual so some of those things where you know where she's covered in blood uh, I do think, we, like, what we talk about, the weakness of the plot, I think that it starts with a real bang, and I think it ends with a real bang. And the unfortunate thing that makes this not really, like, a super perfect, like, good bad, unless you, like, have a couple drinks, is uh, the really saggy middle. Like, there's not a lot going on in the middle. Uh, but that climax, man, oh, man, that's some gold. Yeah, and I was, I did work <laughs> yes. during the climax scene, so that was... <laughs> That was fun. Like at one point, Katrina Bowden, like, or maybe it was Corbin, or maybe it was both of them. They like slipped on a big pool of blood. <laughs> I mean, I wish that was in the movie. <laughs> no, I mean, we so had to like blood. call the set medic oh, no. <laughs> and like make sure everyone was okay, yeah. and they were. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously because Paz got hit by an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. So really, anything is possible. Um, yeah, just the the middle was so wishy washy. Yeah, and, so and that's where ways. I think it's transitioning, mm-hmm. maybe from one kind of movie to another. I, I will again. I mean, I don't want to spoil my favorite bits, but all of Niecy Nash is good, She's and so she good. she has nothing to do. No. But part of me is like, she must have just written her own dialogue because it's just pure what you want from Niecy Nash. Here's what I'm wondering. So uh, we haven't even talked about this. Kathleen Turner shows up. Yeah, right. I kept for, expecting her to come back for she more. Shows up and Everyone goes away. did. She one shows scene. up and for one line and yeah. is like, "Welcome to the hospital." And you're like, yeah. "Oh, great, she's John Hammond. What's gonna happen?" Yeah. Uh, the answer is nothing. She shows up and then disappears. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if the Niecy Nash character was meant to be Kathleen Turner because she's not in that opening oh. scene. And then Niecy, they were just like, "Okay, Niecy, do what you do." And she's like, "I'm just gonna fill some void." So yeah. I'm wondering if uh, Kathleen Turner took one look at what was going on and was like. I'm out. And they'd already uh, shot that. And then they just brought Niecy uh, Nash in to do everything. She's Like I said, she's not yeah. in that opening and scene. And Niecy Nash's scenes are often her on the phone. Yeah. Or her just talking into a room. So it maybe feels like you dropped in <laughs> Niecy Nash. It's the old thing where like uh, uh, Patton Oswalt always says that if you hear a really great joke but you don't see the person saying it, that that was added at. Like, yeah. he's like, so many times real comedians are brought in and it's like, what can somebody say from far away? Yeah. So I always feel like the, that there's, the, every once in a while I see a joke and it's the best joke in the movie. And uh, yeah, it's just somebody being like, like fuck you, man. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> great. So yeah, I wonder if she was maybe flown in as 
a Band-Aid. You know, it, it would work, though. Like, yeah. you know what? I will have a lot of love and respect for Kathleen Turner, but yeah. I, I'm so happy it was Nisa yeah, in that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like Kathleen Turner perving on Corbin Blue if that was, <laughs> if that was her uh, performance. But I'm trying to think other bits... The, it's gory in a cool way. I think the other thing I love about it is I love, because this is a very 70s, 80s thing, Sorry. like the introduction of free love into like, oh, free love is actually terrifying. And I love this world where like just everybody wants to fuck and everybody's yeah. so the open horniest. about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is like the strangest hospital yeah. ever where people are just fucking and it's like, oh, you two kids. Yeah. HR just walks right by oh, that I shit. love the <laughs> HR girl too. She's also amazing. The, the HR Oh, we haven't kid. even gotten to that. My God, it's magnificent. But I I love the idea that they've constructed this world and I actually wanted them to go a bit further with that. Yeah. Um, well, the fact that it's a hospital where they're essentially dressed like fetish nurses. Oh my God, those exactly. nurse uniforms. It's great. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. great. That's where it works. Give me the world and Mark Little, who we had on the show a little yeah. while ago, we, I've been uh, we've been talking about creating things and yeah. he says, someone gave him the best piece of advice once. You can have one weird thing. Mm. Everything else has to be normal, but you can have one weird thing. And it's like, in this one weird thing, keep everything, like, normal, mm. but all the women are totally fetishized and everybody wants to fuck. Like, yeah. that's the... That, that's that, the to be fair, thing. they do, yeah. I, but I almost would have loved, like, a weird Batman world where it's, like, always night and these <laughs> nurses are dressed like fetish people. And, yes. Yeah. I'm in for it. Yeah, that and, sounds good. I, I think, like, they act, they kind of, I mean, everybody does obviously want to fuck in this, yeah. but they do portray pretty much every man in this movie as, like, a sex-obsessed yeah. Which But it works. It would have made more sense, though, if it was more of yeah. that revenge thing, yeah. but they did. But and it would have been nice then if Corbin Blue, who is completely faultless, yeah. was also gross in some way. Yeah, I kept waiting for Paz to lure him into her trap, and <laughs> she no. doesn't even try. Yeah. She goes after the HR person because the HR person knows something about her dark past, which is also irrelevant. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, we don't need guys go back listen to the prom night two episode we don't need a reason people can just be evil it's yeah okay. yeah mm-hmm. all the going back into your past yeah stop no, explaining I'm, I'm the literally Grinch. yawning as i say it because i don't <laughs> i don't need it so no, i did i mean i love the flashbacks of her, her mother killing her father that's great i think no, it was her oh it was her it was oh her. yeah she sliced yeah. his throat with a yeah which doesn't make any sense because she's a little girl nope. slicing an adult man's throat which but i bet sense. it looked great in 3d yeah that's uh, true it was a great 3d it was a great spray and, and you know what? I will say 3D really forgives. I know a lot of pe- horror uh, purists do not love digital blood, but 3D really forgives it because you get it to like spray at you, and that's a lot of fun. So I also read an interview with the cinematographer for this, uh, mm-hmm. which was more technical than I am comfortable with, but it also <laughs> had um, some really great stuff talking about how he had approved a cut of this that looked a certain way, and then when he saw the release of it, they had taken out all of his stylized stuff. They'd taken out, um, they had meant it to be more Tony Scotty. So like really like, you know, very vibrant, all these wide shots, like stunning that way. And almost all of that was gone and it was shot much more straight. Oh, what a so, shame. I know. And that's why I'm like, they really, someone tried to tank this. Someone did something to this, which is unfortunate because it's, it, it has such great, Bone structure. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Paz. Let's go through there. Uh, all right. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about about this one? Um, let me check my various notes that are mostly like, holy shit, what? Oh my <laughs> yeah, I do. I actually took a few notes, but I don't remember where I put the papers. Someone oh, buried in the I mean, her, her uh, voiceover, which partially seems like it is her, for sure. Yeah, that opening definitely is. is. 
fucking bonkers too. Uh, she it's endlessly quotable, horrific lines about cocks and pussy. My personal favorite is she's a nurse now. She has more to do than just stick thermometers up people's butts and look pretty. And yeah. I'm like, who wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, with the doctors in the hospital, like if they asked you to open wide, make sure their pants are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. make sure their pants are on. And it yeah. took me a minute to be like. What does that mean? Is that a... Hold on. I quoted, these men are looking to infect millions of innocent vaginas. Yeah. Which Uh, is like, what? No, no. Go go back further. They are like diseased cells cultured in an alcoholic Petri dish, but destroy unsuspecting families and infect millions of innocent vaginas. Yeah. That's poetry, people. That is is great. Like, that is... As much as I'm like, this guy wrote Puppet Masters, that that stuff is great. That's glorious. (laughs) I have... I I don't think that's the original writer. I think that's the the rewrite. Because that voiceover... That voiceover, that later... It's great. Whoever wrote it, it's genius. Um, that is that is the pinnacle of of, uh, of this film. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Yeah, I definitely. I think I wanted to see Paz murder more men. Yeah, yeah. I but, really wanted more of that. Yeah, I think that you kind of sense that maybe they, which they should have, blew the, a lot of the budget on that crazy climax mm-hmm. because a lot of the the great. Uh, Stuff that you want just bloody, gory. Though also Judd Nelson gets a hell of a death. Yeah. Oh, I do That's love a pretty his good death. One. That's pretty fun. And he's having a good time. He's at, having a great time. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It took As me a minute a to recognize curve. him. And then I was yeah. he's behind those giant glasses. And then yeah. I was like, oh, that is Judd Nelson. Bad Weird. facial hair. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I man. have like my, my biggest regret for the few days that I worked on this movie. is So I I don't ask ever actors for like a photo or an autograph or something. Because you're but a professional. He, because I'm a professional, but Judd Nelson just seemed like he was having fun and like a very cool, chill dude. And I really regret not getting a photo of us doing like the Breakfast Club air punch. Like I, I really you wish I had. You should write that. to him because I'm sure he would be down. Dear Judd Nelson, <laughs> please come back to Toronto yeah. to fulfill this old fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's that's everything. I think we're on. Uh, I think we're on favorite moments, guys. Uh, well, my favorite, I mean, we, we've, we've kind of talked about it, but the, I think the best part of the climax, which is really what you want out of a hospital horror movie, but that doesn't happen very much, is she just locks herself in a room and starts murdering all the helpless patients. Oh, yeah. That's... Uh, everything from just dumping somebody out of bed, which is great, to just stabbing a lady with the scissors a bunch, to tearing out someone's tubes in a way that sprays blood, which is like, I don't think that's how those tubes work. Cam is gesticulating wildly <laughs> yeah, with excitement. That's what that sound but just yeah, was. Yeah, that part is like, that is what I want out of every evil doctor and nurse movie. And it's just great that she just takes out a bunch of completely helpless people, which is wild. After she's, you know, she's stabbed plenty of security guards and stuff, but to just go around murdering patients we know nothing about is a delight. It's bananas. Uh, oh yeah, that's you? that's easily easily my favorite. I mean, the opening scene, like that first five minutes. I think, you know, if you're not interested in seeing this movie, I would still highly recommend just watching those first five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that opening shot is bananas beautiful. And that's clearly people who, like, they must have shot that near the beginning, mm. A, because that's where all the money was. Um, and I think who there was a famous person, someone yelled at me, you blow all your money on the, at the very beginning in the sure. one big shot so that yeah. people can be like, what are you doing? And you can be like this. And they'll be like, what's the rest of the movie like? And you're like, 
this, you yeah. know, and then they give you more money to make the rest of it look like that. They yeah. don't. But, um, but yeah, that opening shot is just mind-bogglingly beautiful and, like, the amount of time and care took into. I also love the fact, A, the costumes are gorgeous. Yeah. B, they're designed by Zaldi, who does RuPaul's dresses. Uh, what? So, what? they mind did. mind blown. Yeah. I know I need I know. to rewatch it just to, also, like, appreciate that. Uh, RuPaul, since I know you're one of our 2000 listeners, <laughs> uh, please get Pez de la Huerta to judge Drag Race. I know. I cannot yes. imagine a more draggy, regular lady. Uh, 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 they had Courtney Love on the show. Yeah, she was true. right there. But yeah, yeah. yeah uh, they've, they've had a good selection. I've been binge watching Drag Race lately, so I'm like, I'm all about that happening. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Zaldi. So yeah, and the costumes look great. Like, there's just so much. There is so much love in this film yes. that it's heartbreaking. Well, that's it why it's like doesn't... a good movie. Like, if you think you will like this, you will like this. Maybe yeah. you should have a glass of wine or two while you watch. And watch it with friends, but you'll like it. It's probably. not the disaster people think it is. No. Uh, it's one of those things, like, as the party's starting to, like, be in full swing and not everybody's paying attention yeah. at, like, a Halloween party, throw this on in the background yeah. and mm-hmm. see what people react to, because yeah. I think that would be fun. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a movie that has, like, the elements of a good movie that work, and then yeah. the elements of a bad movie that also work. It's yes, yeah. Very unusual in that respect. Would this be something you would use to suggest an orgy? Yeah, I was also like, maybe don't throw this on if you're a dude, or people will be like, what the hell, man? What weird video are you playing? Yeah, totally fair. All right, I think that's that's everything for that. Steph, how can people find you and your work and your art and everything? Well, you can find me on the Instagram at Steph Von Awesome, S-T-E-P-H-V, as in Victor, O-N, Awesome. And then I've got um, an installation coming up in a few days at the next long winter at Workman Arts, which is a really great venue at, um, for those of you who are in Toronto, at uh, Dundas and Dufferin. And then I've also got uh, some of my art pieces in a group show happening at the Toronto Media Arts Centre that opens on February 28th. All of that is available. It's and also, do you have uh, art for purchase? I do, uh, but if you want to see it, you have to reach out to me. I'm actually one of the artists in residence at the new Museum mm. of Contemporary Art. So yeah. you can come on down, see my studio. I make a lot of really beautiful and really weird art. So I would love to have you come by and say hi. Yeah, be like, hey, we uh, we heard you on the podcast and yeah. we're here to say hello. Yeah. Uh, and then that'll get back to us and we'll be like, okay, so uh, just so you know, before you come on the show, stalkers are uh, potentially just going to show up. Well, you know what? Right. We're not actually open to the public. So you have to, <laughs> you have to do the work. You yeah. have to like go onto the Instagram, send me a message. Yeah. Stalkers don't have prove that kind of time. you're not a nurse, 3D. <laughs> or prove you are. Yeah, prove you are, Paz de la Huerta. Free art for Paz de la Huerta, I'll just yeah, say free that. art for Paz de la Huerta. And, yeah. and uh, let's just say like a like a 10% discount if you use the password nurse3D. <laughs> ah, wow. <laughs> Cam, how about you? How do people it's find your stuff? deal I think we've ever I think gotten. so, yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at CamFest, like confess with a Cam. I am on Instagram at iCram is where I review every movie I watch, like cramming things in your eyes. And as always, I work for Hollywood Suite, like a suite in a hotel. And uh, yeah, things are spelled weird. That's about it. And then as per usual, you can find me on the Twitters at Le Shrimpton. I'm the masculine Le Shrimpton over there being funny. Instagram, I'm Caridia underscore extravaganza. That's the shrimp party there. And uh, I'm doing my best to write more jokes because I'm doing a lot of that for the new podcast that I am working on. Uh, it's coming out from the Globe and Mail. First week of March, the trailer drops. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I get, I'm interviewing a whole bunch of people who know a whole bunch about stuff I don't know. Mm. And it's been very enlightening for me. And I hope it'll 
will be very enlightening for you. Uh, come check out the website, rcmpodcast.com. Uh, check out our back catalog. We've got so many great episodes at this point. I think we're just over 130, and uh, maybe you can find something else you'd like to watch on a cold winter night. Or if it's not cold where you are, if you're just tired of going outside and enjoying the warm, you jerks. <laughs> I think that's just about everything. Steph, would you like to go get a moose head? I would love to. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's her catchphrase. <laughs> oh. And also, yes. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.